G'day, I'm Rowan Mackey, and I'm joined by my dad, clinical psychologist Chris Mackey, and this is Psych Spiels and Silver Linings. G'day, Dad. How are you going today? Good, thanks, Rowan, and I'm really glad that we're back to this topic, I must admit. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, I know you always love your uh, your synchronicity topics, and I must admit it's good to revisit the topic after our chat with Lisa a couple of weeks ago. It was oh, great to speak with Lisa, and I must admit it was great to get that question in at the end, but I, oh, I could have kept going in terms of just the more general synchronicity questions for hours, I reckon, Dad. Yes, it was great to have Lisa on the podcast. She has the most wonderful stories. And so through our connection with synchronicity and our interest, we've become very good spiritual friends and delightful to have someone else from the Coincidence Project be involved in the podcast, that group of about 11 of us internationally who get together once a month on a board and we look to encourage people to tell their stories of synchronicity because we believe that when people are attuned to that, then it helps lead to greater benefits that come from experiences of coincidences and in particular meaningful coincidences, synchronicity. Absolutely. And we thought, like it was, as we said, it was great to chat with Lisa last week. And it was an interesting way that she discussed that question that I asked of her at the end, talking about what happens, for example, when you don't go through much synchronicity. And she had a, a great answer for that in terms of, you know, taking the pressure off a bit and recognizing, you know, it might be a bit of a dry spell, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything long term. But we thought we'd even carry on that conversation a little bit today in terms of what we can do to cultivate more synchronicity. Because oh, I suppose for me anyway, Dad, that, I find that a little bit in terms of, you know, you can be a big believer in synchronicity and then it, it might not happen for a little while. And so you sort of think, hold on, am I doing something wrong here? Or, you know, what, what's the go here? So I thought we'd get into it a little bit more today. But I suppose before we do, Dad, it's worth mentioning that we'll basically be going to a, a fortnightly schedule for the podcast going on. In some ways, it's a little bit exciting, Dad, because we've got some other projects on the go. And you mentioned the Coincidence Project, the synchronicity group that you're involved in there basically it'd be good to have a bit more time to put towards that sort of thing i know you've been doing a fair bit of writing and and there's some videos and stuff that we'll be getting into as well over the next little while too so we're certainly not going anywhere we we might be doing a little bit less on the podcast in terms of maybe putting out an episode every couple of weeks but we will still be around dad and, and still putting our uh, plenty of content out there well, it's pretty important to be around because, like in sporting and cricket terms, like we're getting near our century, Rowan. I think this must be about number 94, 95, something like that. So, hey, we're not going to stop before a century, but who knows? We might go for a double century. We'll see how it unfolds. <laughs> exactly, Dad. Well, uh, they say it's the nervous 90s when you're, uh, when you're in the 90s in cricket. And, yeah, we'll, we'll push through these and we'll plough through the 100 and make sure that there's no nervousness about these 90s, Dad. And, look, I will just mention as well, like one of the things I'm looking forward to doing is, is oh, I've got my own little project on the go and won't mention too much about it today, but uh, basically starting my own podcast, Dad. And I reckon people might guess it might have something to do with sport. <laughs> yeah. We might have to wait, but like that's not much of a guess, is it? I'm a bit of an open book in some ways, Dad. But uh, nah, look, I must admit, super excited for it. And oh, it's this one thing. I've had this podcast idea for literally six or seven years now dad and you know in some ways wanted to do it back then but thought oh, I'll, I'll learn how to do things a little bit first and so I've held on to this idea and, and I figured you know it's time now so yeah basically watch this space for that one I'll, I'm sure there'll be a little bit more coming out about it in the next few weeks but basically that's where we're at at the moment in terms of we'll have a, a little bit more time on other things but we'll always be around on the podcast and if you'd like to keep up with that, I'm sure we'll have all the information on our, our social media pages at, at Chris Mackey Psychology and Chris Mackey and Associates as well. So, Actually, look, one thing I might come in with there, Rowan, you say that this has been cooking for about six years. Well, there's something that's relevant in terms of us talking about synchronicity. It's so easy for people to look for a quick fix. It's so easy for people to want a solution in two months or something like that. That's a lot of Western thinking and sometimes that permeates psychology as well. Like there's a whole lot written in pop psychology that suggests, hey, if you do this in five steps or ten steps, hey, here's a quick fix. 
And so today we're talking about strategies to cultivate synchronicity. And I know that I've written a blog that goes along with that, which is cultivating synchronicity in 10 steps. Now, even that can sound a bit misleading. My experience of synchronicity has been over 40 years or more than 40 years. I didn't write about it until I'd been experiencing a lot of it for 25 to 30 years and yet it was a main passion in the background. A lot of things that are really worth doing take a while to cook. And also when we talk about experiencing synchronicity and ways of experiencing it, maybe ways of cultivating it, hey, some things might sound a bit like a quick fix or you use this step. No, it actually evolves over quite a period of time, like any other major thing that is important for us to be involved with. Well, I think that's so true and I notice it a fair bit with, for example, this notion of, oh, I almost term it hustle culture. You, you do hear this term a little bit, certainly not my term, but, you know, this idea of, you know, just get yourself out there, just put yourself out there and, you know, essentially the, the quality will come later on. I don't necessarily subscribe to that so much and as you say, like, I think it does go into what we're talking about today because you can't take shortcuts exactly what you're saying with some of this sort of stuff and I suppose that almost leads me to the first question about today's podcast to move on to cultivating synchronicity this idea of how can we cultivate more synchronicity i suppose what i wonder about that dad is why would you want to in some ways because it strikes me with synchronicity that there's such this element of co-participation with it it strikes you from an external place you know for example lisa's story with the book flashing on the shelf like what strikes me about that is there's such an element of it being internal and external that, you know, we can sort of, you know, get our house in order, our ducks in a row, for lack of a better term, but it still does rely on this external element. And I wonder if we go too far in trying to cultivate it, does it take some of the magic out of, I suppose, that co-participatory element in terms of when something is so striking because there is that external element to it as well? Can we go too far in, I suppose, trying to cultivate synchronicity, maybe, I suppose, oversubscribing into some coincidences in a way? It strikes me that it could be a bit of a trap if we try and cultivate too much synchronicity. Well, funnily enough, I suppose a parallel that came to my mind is prayer. And as you know, I'm not a particularly religious person. I'd see myself as being spiritual rather than religious. But I imagine that there could be ways that people could pray in say a more simplistic way or if I just really ask for this to happen then maybe that just should happen or look I'll expect God or whatever deity I'll just you know beseech my deity and then see if they fix things up for me we're not sort of necessarily encouraging some kind of passive you know, wish fulfillment. If I just have some kind of wish, then the world should go that way. That would be very simplistic and it's not really, I think, how things work. But just say if someone sets an intention in their life to act in certain kind of ways and they look to act according to certain kind of principles that they've learnt work for them in certain kind of ways and then let's say that they're being open to certain things unfolding in a particular direction and a person might believe in some kind of higher organising force or deity in the universe. Someone might believe that if you focus your attention in a particular direction or focus your purpose then things are more likely to unfold in a certain way. Well I think there's a lot of indications from quantum physics that's the way it is i think that our inner worlds and our outer worlds are much more closely linked than we commonly would acknowledge i think there's something about if you like putting positive energy into the world in terms of intentions we're more likely to get something like that back we can still work at help bringing out the changes in our lives that we wish to have we can be patient with that we can be realistic about that but i think that there's something about looking to cultivate synchronicity or being open to it or encouraging it more into our lives or noticing it when it's there even some kind of amplifying it by noticing it rather than dismissing it I think that can be really worthwhile because I think that there are so many benefits from experiencing synchronicity that I've experienced as an individual but also I know from many other people from their stories how they've benefited such as from Lisa's examples a couple of weeks ago 
Well, that's really interesting, and I'll look to, it'd be really interesting to develop that with you more today and get into that a little bit more, because I suppose I've wondered to the degree to which there's an element to, for example, surrender in synchronicity. It's almost like, well, you know, you can't necessarily force it to happen, or, you know, you can't click your fingers and, you know, have that kind of, I suppose, interactive relationship with it, where you just make it happen on the spot. But it's interesting what you were saying there about not having a passive way of going about it. Like it seems that there's, you know, for example, a difference between surrendering to the idea that you can't necessarily just, you know, click your fingers and it happens the next moment. That doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, you you can't do anything about it. So, yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to chat to you about that today. I like that term surrender. I think it's got a depth of meaning to it. So in psychology, certainly people often talk about the benefits of allowing yourself to be vulnerable. That means that you acknowledge you can be hurt, you can be touched. It's the aspect of ourselves which is different from being a robot. It's good that we can have that capacity, but it doesn't mean that we need to be pathetically passive and just throw our hands up in the air and, oh, I'm vulnerable and I can't handle it. We can look at accepting our vulnerability and when we do that in a realistic and adaptive way, then that can include being more open to the support that we can receive from others, for example. It can help us be more authentic. And I think that the idea of surrendering, it might sound like on the surface, oh, is this being more uh, helpless in some way or whatever? No, partly it means getting your ego out of the situation. It's partly accepting, hey, there's a whole lot of stuff that happens in life that we don't control. That's like the vulnerability idea as well. Surrendering means accepting the isers in life. Certain things unfold a certain particular way. That might be our reality that we're dealing with at the time. If we fight against it and think, oh, no, it shouldn't be like this, you know, like this is, this is terrible, it should be different, that's not accepting, that's not surrendering, nor is it accepting our vulnerability. So there's something about surrender, especially when we're still remembering our strengths and our resourcefulness and drawing on what we can and looking to act in our lives with some sense of purpose or agency. I think that's a much more balanced and mature position to come from. That's how I tend to interpret the notion of surrender. Yeah, well, I think absolutely, and you know, it's potentially been done a disservice in terms of the the definition of surrender that involves a police officer's had or a or a white flag. Yeah, exactly, because like there's an element of awe that involves surrender as well. Like I think if we look at something like a you know even a a beautiful sunset, for example, like there's an element of which we surrender to the idea, you know, we're so small and vulnerable and, you know, tiny compared to these universal processes that go on like sunsets and all this sort of stuff. But that's a positive emotion in some ways. Like you look up at the stars at night and you get this sense of awe and that's a positive emotion that comes from surrender. And it seems to me that there's an element to which synchronicity is a little bit like that. It's to do with almost this acceptance of, uh, you know, there's more going on than, you know, you and I can sit here and discuss on a podcast, Dad. That's a good way of putting it. And certainly, maybe some of the examples mentioned later on, to me, they've been somewhat awe-inspiring and they can almost make the hair stand up on the back of your neck or almost like take your breath away, that kind of thing. There are big coincidences that happen at times that might be very meaningful in what is happening in someone's life. That can inspire a sense of awe and also a sense that there's something larger happening in life that is still relevant to us. And I'm interested in synchronicity that way because it has maybe some overlapping feelings, including awe, that people might have previously associated more with a religious sense. And certainly there'd be many rituals in religions that would encourage that acknowledgement of awe or stimulate some of that kind of feeling well to me synchronicity is like a secular way of experiencing something similar well that's a a good example of i think the function or one of the functions certainly that synchronicity can serve but i wonder what are some of the other functions that synchronicity can serve like it, it strikes me there is maybe an element to which there were some say parts of religion that we've maybe lost as a society and synchronicity is maybe a way to reconnect with some of those elements. But what are some of the other benefits as you see it? 
Okay, well, partly to look to simplify some of the benefits of synchronicity, I draw on the standard positive psychology model of PERMA, P-E-R-M-A, because a lot of the research in positive psychology, which is like a science of well-being, is looking at what are the kind of elements that can promote human well-being and PERMA. One is positive affect, then engagement in life roles or tasks. Then there's relationships, like positive relationships, a sense of meaning and achievement. And those are the five pillars of well-being as identified by Martin Seligman in research in positive psychology. We could maybe add physical health as being another aspect that overlaps a lot with mental well-being as well. But take positive affect. When people experience a remarkable coincidence like they've just thought of a friend they haven't seen for a long time and then they run into them soon afterwards or they receive a phone call from them after two years or something like that, often that will give a positive feeling, some joy that comes with it. Sometimes there might just be a funny coincidence that happens. Sometimes there could be that sense of awe, which is another positive kind of affect. But engagement, often when people experience synchronicity, it feels like a kind of affirmation. Like someone might have just got a new job somewhere and then soon after they read about that company that they've just joined in a very positive sense. There's a positive news article on it and they didn't know that was coming up but otherwise would have seen random. They think, hey, that's a good sign. I've just joined this company for work and, hey, here's a, an uncanny coincidence. Now I've just come across it in the media and I thought it was an obscure company or something like that. It can give people the feeling that they're doing the right thing and keeping on going. Uh, for relationships, well, just say that example I mentioned earlier, thinking of someone and they get in touch with you, that's a feeling of connection that happens with that. And that usually leads people to feel more connected and hence closer. So that can help. Or if people share a remarkable coincidence together, that can add to their feeling of connection and relating to each other. A sense of meaning. Well, again, often if people are on a particular track and they think, look, I'll go in this direction. I think that's the right direction to go in. And they experience quite a number of coincidences in doing that. That can add a sense of meaning. For example, also I know of a person, here's an example, they were thinking of changing their job. They'd worked in a university all along and they thought, but I want to do something different. I think they might have been a history lecturer or in that kind of field. Well, anyway... One day they're reading the paper and it drops open at the employment pages and there's an ad for a secondary school job as a teacher. That person thinks, hey, wait a minute, actually I might quite like to work in a secondary school. Now I might not have rationally thought of doing that before, but yeah, hey, maybe that can fit. Take up that job because they think, gosh, you know, this seems like it's more than just chance, it seems meaningful. They really love working in that area for another eight years or so, and it turns out to be a very positive thing. Now, while that person was in that job, the meaning that came with it at first probably bolstered their sense of achievement and their desire, their motivation even. So that's an, an example where I think that amazing coincidences can also give us a boost of dopamine. You can feel good about it. You can feel connected with it. It can make you motivated to continue. And I'll mention some examples later on of how I found synchronicity to be especially influential and motivating in my career, in my career direction. And so, and funnily enough, coincidences have encouraged my interest in studying and talking about coincidences. So as far as that goes, they're the PERMA examples. And another way of putting it is that synchronicity, in addition to PERMA, it has that kind of affirmation in life. I say it's like a tick from the universe that you're on the right track. Because so often people say they experience more synchronicity when they're on the right track and they experience it subjectively as like a boost, saying keep on going, keep on going in the direction you're going. I sometimes mention it's like one of those little markers on a bush track, like a little orange triangle pointing in the direction and saying, yes, you're going in the right direction, keep on going. It's a bit like that. Then there's a sense of connection that comes from synchronicity that I've partly mentioned in terms of relationships. But more deeply, I think it helps your connection with yourself, like tapping into your motivations in certain kind of ways. 
It also is the connection with other people that you might feel closer to, and I think also connection with something beyond, like that awe, that sense of awe is another example of that. So it bolsters our sense of connection, which helps our well-being. I think synchronicity, viewing that as a reality, is a more realistic view of the world. In other words, if I think of someone on the other side of the world and they contact me straight afterwards, or if a twin sister gets a pain in their knee and they have a feeling something's happened to their twin, ring them up straight afterwards and said, why are you ringing me now? How did you know something had happened? What? Oh, I've just broken my knee kind of thing. Oh, look, I was ringing you because I felt something weird happened kind of thing. And you hear of people having that kind of sense of connection, which is so uncanny it seems to be beyond chance. Now, how could that be true? Some people say it must be just a fluke. Well, it overlaps with the physics principle of entanglement. We know from the quantum physics science with entanglement, if there are two, for example, electrons that have been twinned in some ways, they've been interacting with each other in some particular way, and then they're separated theoretically and even practically at great distances from one side of the Earth to the other or technically from one side of the universe to the other, if something happens to affect the spin of one electron, one of its properties, at exactly that same time there's a complementary action in the other electron as though they're twinned. Now, they're at this huge distance and somehow there's something connecting them in some way. Well, that principle of entanglement, which really stretches people's minds, it's really hard to get your head around it, to the point that some early physicists said, look, Maybe we treat this as though it's true and these principles help us make mobile phones by acting as though these ideas are true, but they can't really be true because they're too weird. Well, in the 1960s and 70s, apparently, experiments, hard science experiments, demonstrated that entanglement was true. Well, I think, well, if matter could be connected at a great distance instantaneously, why not people's minds? So I think synchronicity is like a psychic equivalent of what happens in the physics world showing that in a way everything's connected to everything else but there are ways that those connections can be more specific. I think also synchronicity it helps us tap into a kind of spirituality as in believing that there is a larger and I would say more benevolent force in the universe and again, I'm not religious, I don't believe in a particular deity. I tend to say the universe provides would be an expression that I would agree with. So I refer to the universe, some people refer to God or whatever. But I think that there are ways that also synchronicity can help us tap into a sense of purpose or meaning in life, which is a spiritual theme in itself. And also I think that when we reflect on synchronicity, it supports our intuition, because you're driven to consider what might that mean in my life now that seems such an uncanny coincidence. It doesn't seem it can just be chance. What could that mean to me now? Well, the best way we can respond to that question is partly being open to our intuition. So it encourages our intuition muscle. So they're the things I think it bolsters PERMA. It's affirming it so it helps us get direction in life. It helps our connection with ourselves, others, something larger than ourselves. It's a more realistic view of the world in a quantum physics sense, promotes spirituality, supports our intuition. I think that's a whole range of reasons for how it might bolster well-being and, dare I say, an even more full or accurate view of life. But you know, particularly, I respond to it because it works in my life. And so I would say it's been the most influential kind of experience that has guided the direction that I've chosen to go in and I've never regretted following that principle. There's a fair bit to unpack there, Dad. There's clearly a lot of benefits to it, which comes across. But I suppose one of the ones that I was most, I suppose, interested in in some ways is this idea of like a, a realistic view of the world because, you know, it's, it's counterintuitive in some ways. Like someone might tell you a story about, a synchronistic experience they had and it doesn't necessarily resonate with your experience of the world not that you don't believe them in a way just in terms of you think 
gosh, that what an amazing thing to go through. You know, I've never gone through anything like that sort of in my own life. But I think that there is a degree to which synchronicity gives you a more realistic view on the world. And that's because it seems to me that like asynchronicity in its kind of, you know, inherent most fundamental sense, like what it is, is an intense insight. And like if we think about insight just in general, like there's a co-participatory element with insight as well. Like in terms of, you know, you can be, whether it be in the shower or, you know, going for a walk or it might be the middle of the night and you're sort of woken up with something. It's not as if you think, all right, I'm going to have this idea now and then it sort of hits you. It's like it, it just hits you out of nowhere and, you know, it's sort of up to you to kind of recognise that. Like it seems to me that synchronicity is almost like an intense insight in the way that, it resonates with you, you know. It, it, it's not something that it's got someone else's insight. It's not as if Lisa was going down the escalator and, and saw that book on the shelf and thought, "I wonder who that's flashing for." <laughs> like, there's just this intense, I suppose, connection that you have with this element of the outside world that provides you this personal insight. And to me, anyway, when I think about it in those terms, like it, it a becomes apparent what all the benefits are, but. It also gives us a sense of why we'd want to cultivate more synchronicity in terms of it's not about, I suppose, interpreting coincidences in a way. It is about cultivating these experiences where you feel surrendered. It's not as if you can even cultivate that feeling of surrender in a way. It is just more about you come across these experiences where you do have these intense insights, whether it be about relationships that you have or direction in life and and so it seems to me that you know if there is one particular benefit it's that we I suppose learn more about the nature of the world for ourselves it's, it might not be a scientific insight that we can write in the book but I suppose it helps us to oh, I suppose maybe steer our course back on track whatever that track for us may be and gee, I suppose when you really think about it, you know there's elements of you know destiny and all this sort of stuff that comes in there it's you know what is it really giving you an insight towards but it does have for me anyway that that strong element of insight yes well one thing that comes across to me what you're describing well is how we co-create our experience now we know that from the psychology of perception like we've got all these brain cells that register you know sight sound and things like that which we know relate to waves you know waves of sound waves of light which is not actually particularly a visible thing our brain makes it look visible. Like just say inside our brain where we perceive these things, it's pretty dark. It's not like there's a lot of light that gets in there. So how is it that we get this sense of light? It's not like it's coming into our brain and being registered there. So what's happening is there's a transformation of electrical signals to make it look like what we call light or colour. Same with sound, same with touch. All of this stuff is partly subjective and perception and constructed, but it's not just anything goes. There's still something that it's based on that's not just completely random. And so one thing I like about synchronicity is it really reflects that co-creating process where there's something that's actually happened, like there's something that's happened in the external world, and yet our construction of it, how we perceive it, the meaning that we draw from it, there's a degree of subjectivity to it, but by the same token, it can still be attached to a reality in certain ways. So Lisa told a number of stories, like coming across that book Flourish by Martin Seligman, and you can understand where there was a whole subjective element to it, but there was an objective element. There was that book, but what it led to was Lisa being very motivated to follow through the direction it suggested of studying positive psychology and following that all the way through and getting a master's degree in it and then writing about it and being very involved in that kind of field, well, that's kind of creating your world, but not in a completely subjective way. You're still responding to something happened in the world. And so I think that's how synchronicity often works. But if we can shape our life experience with that kind of positive energy, 
Well, I think we're also influencing the world. We're picking up on the things that are most meaningful and useful to us. I think it's a, it's a good use of our energy and it bolsters our energy when we have this feeling of meaning in what we do. And so I think we can bolster that sense of meaning when we look at the odds of certain things that happen and think, look, that's very unlikely. That's an amazing coincidence. In the objective world, that would seem to be a really amazing coincidence. So I think there's more in that than just chance. And that can really add to our, if you like, belief in its relevance for us, our motivation to follow through and our sense of direction that we get from it. Well, I find this idea so interesting in terms of, you know, it's not subjective, but it's not objective. And like I've been listening to this lecture series recently, Dad. It's called Awakening from the Meaning Crisis. And it's by this Canadian professor, John Viveki, his name is. And it's just literally the most interesting thing I've ever heard. And it's a, you know, 50 hour long lecture series is pretty meaty to uh, say the least. But one of the things that he speaks about in, you know, in one of the lectures in this series is this idea of, I think he actually coined the term himself, but he called it transjective where something's not objective and it's not subject. There is this co-creation element and, I think there are things that we recognise to be transjective, like, for example, insight, as I was talking about before. Like, it's not as if, you know, I create the insight, but it's also, you know, I have to be the one to receive the insight. There is this kind of symbiotic relationship. And, you know, music is another one, for example, in terms of there can be, you know, sounds that are just put out there, but it needs me to perceive it as music or it needs someone to perceive it as music as opposed to a collection of sounds for it to be music. So, like, it shows that there is this element to which we do co-create with the world. And, like, I just find it so interesting. And I suppose another aspect of synchronicity that, again, comes from this lecture series, which it's, it's just my frame of reference for everything at the moment because if, if people are into philosophy, it's out of this world. But he speaks about this concept of relevance realisation. And to me, it's a central part of synchronicity as well. He talks about it in terms of... Things like even evolution, for example. Evolution is a process of relevance realisation in terms of, you know, we have genetic adaptations and the ones that will survive are the ones that are most relevant to the environment in terms of the ones that have the greatest connection to the outer world. But this relevance realisation idea, it doesn't just work with, say, organisms and, and biology. Like, it also works with things like ideas, for example, in terms of they have their own relevance realisation mechanism. Like, if I just throw something completely out there, out, out into the world, well, if it's not relevant to anyone, then no one's likely to pick up on it. But at the same time, like, if it is relevant to someone, then they're likely to pick up on it and, you know, run with it and put it out there in their own way and someone else is likely to pick up on it and run with it. So even with ideas, there's this idea that what is most relevant becomes most realised. And it seems to me that with synchronicity, it's almost like an individual mechanism for relevance realisation in our own life and for our own destiny in a way. Like that's that's a sort of pretty... I suppose, deep way of looking at it. But it strikes me that there's very few irrelevant synchronicities. That's a great way of putting it. Like certainly subjectively across the course of my entire certainly adult life, I would say there's nothing that has helped me realise the relevance of things more in some ways than marked synchronicities, like striking synchronicities especially when they're in a pattern across a lifetime. Sometimes it hits you across the head. So one particular example, when I first experienced synchronicity, it was just when I started reading about it in a book and I kept on experiencing the repeated number six. And this became so meaningful to me and relevant, especially when I was starting to go out with your mother Sue and we're boyfriend and girlfriend after a period of time and our relationship's developing and it was really spooky at some stage, really start to experience a whole lot of the repeated number six. Now, there were different reasons why I associated this with our relationship and that influenced my decision to want to marry your mum in a particular way. I've told that story about a, a box of matches with a six of hearts on it was part of my decision to marry your mum or an affirmation of that being the right thing to do. And I'll mention that just to show how relevant the number six was to me. Well, it turned out when we got engaged, I hadn't planned this. I'd planned it for the previous day, earlier in the day, but for different reasons, including low wind and your mother being stranded on a windsurfer, we ended up getting 
engaged at 6pm on the 6th of June. Now, had the 5th of June not been an island night where you dress up in like a Sulu, which is like a, a dress kind of thing or a sarong, I would have engaged to your mum the previous night. Like it was maybe a strange thing, but I thought, look, as a bloke, I'm not going to get engaged in a dress. So I thought I'll put it off a, a night, made it the next day because the windsurfing was going to be earlier afternoon, pushes it out. So we end up getting engaged at 6 o'clock on the 6th of June. I didn't realise that until later on. I think, Wow. That's like an affirmation it's the right thing to do. Now, six years later, six o'clock on the 6th of June, I'm admitted to a psych ward with severe depression. And I think my career is over. About the only thing in the early days of my recovery that gave me much hope is that I learned in retrospect because I wasn't too well oriented at the time or the date or wasn't aware of that. But when it came to my attention that I'd been admitted at six o'clock on the 6th of June, I thought, hey, some good might come out of this. And it has. I learnt so much in terms of that experience of depression, which helped me so much as a psychologist and have a deeper empathy and understanding with my clients. And I got feedback that way. They didn't know why. I had so much more empathy, perhaps, but that was a big part of it. I learnt to be able to draw on the support of other people more rather than try to be so independent-minded kind of thing. And that was a transformative and helpful thing for me. That was an example of something which might look terrible on the surface in the course of life experience was very relevant and meaningful. The synchronicity helped me realise the relevance that might come. There might be some meaning or good that came even from being hospitalised. And I look at that as the bookends of heaven and hell in life, getting engaged versus being admitted to a psych hospital. But it also taught me that... Strong experiences, you know, positive or negative, could be part of the whole caboodle or meaning of our lives. And we don't need to get too hung up on just labelling it as positive or negative because in the long run, a whole range of things can become meaningful in terms of our destiny. Well, I suppose it's almost one of those things like in terms of, you know, this idea of relevance, realisation, like it's one thing to... I suppose come across it at first but the other thing is when you apply it to I think your own life like you look at something like say evolution it's you know it's pretty straightforward like either an organism has the genes to adapt to an environment or not but with something like synchronicity it's almost like the relevance can come later on like that or the realization of the relevance can come later on like you know might point us in a certain direction that we kind of go hold on what's going on here but it's only you know, when we're a little way further down the track that we actually realise maybe the relevance of the event in the first place. Yes, and when we talk about the steps, we'll talk about how sometimes the insights can come a bit later. But, wow, you've really caught my attention with that phrase. I would say now that synchronicity is a relevance realisation machine. Well, yeah, it certainly seems that way. So, Dad, you mentioned it there. We, we better get into them, the, the 10 steps, because... Uh, we we're going to get onto them a little bit earlier. I think it's one of those things with synchronicity. We can go for hours. But what are the, the 10 steps as you see them to cultivate more synchronicity? Okay, and when people read books on synchronicity or how people might experience it, there's going to be a lot of overlap with these steps. But this is my take on 10 steps. The first step is to be open. Now, there are two senses of the word. One is being open-minded or as Lisa Buxbaum describes it, be open to being open. Not just having critical judgment, thinking, no, this makes no sense beforehand. Being open to what you experience and also being open to your senses. It helps to have your senses attuned outwardly. Being open in that sense as well. A second step I use is follow your nose. This especially happens while travelling, might have a sense of turning left or going and having a look at something that's caught your attention or just responding to an inkling of what you might do because I find often if I have this feeling of doing something and follow my nose, I'm more likely to experience some kind of synchronicity after that. Another thing is notice what you notice. 
Just like if we have a dream and we're trying to make sense of a dream, look at what stands out to us in a dream. But with synchronicity, if I'm walking in a certain direction, for example, in a different city, and I notice a particular building that stands out to me, or I notice a shaft of light falling on a window at a distance, and I feel a curiosity to go and see what's there, or if I notice certain kinds of repeating numbers or a pattern coming up that really grabs my attention in some way, notice what you notice because there's likely something resonating with you at some level that way. Then you use your intuition to consider what a coincidence might mean. It very much is an intuitive process responding to synchronicity and so it does help to temporarily suspend disbelief, if you like, to be able to use our intuition. But go on a feeling or an inkling if you have a sense of, oh, I've got a feeling this might relate to such and such. Another thing which Jung talked about, Carl Jung, who coined the term synchronicity, he looked into symbolism to help understand synchronicity. So the fifth step is look for symbolism and your associations to it. Later on, I'll give an example unfolding over a period of time that relates to the symbol psi, the symbol for the psychology profession, which is based on the Greek letter psi. So the more we understand symbolism, especially that which is applied across different cultures or times or archetypal kind of symbols, if we have a background understanding of that, then we're not just going on our own internal imagery, we're also drawing from what whole cultures have seen relevant in some way. So that can help interpret our own individual experiences. But ultimately, then step six, go with your own interpretation. If something really resonates with you in a certain kind of way, rather than thinking of what it should mean or having some kind of cookbook explanation of what that symbol might mean, now look at what resonates with you because I've found that that's often the most accessible way of getting meaning from synchronicity. Now, if we put that together and interpretation resonates with us, sometimes it might prompt us to a certain kind of action. We might have a feeling, oh, I'm meant to do this. In my experience, if that's associated with also a compelling feeling for doing something, you've had this amazing coincidence, it resonates with you, it feels right to do that, I think often it's best to act on it and act on it swiftly. So the writer, Carlos Castaneda, he referred to this as taking your cubic centimetre of chance. I think that's a wonderful, beautiful, poetic expression. He described the difference between a warrior and other mere mortals is a warrior is always on the lookout for that cubic centimetre of chance and they're ready to strike out at the time that that presents itself because sometimes that opportunity won't be there for long. So that to me is also an example of combining synchronicity with kairos. Kairos is the principle of acting quickly on something and it's got something to do with the term for an arrow being shot through a target and it has to have the direction, the accuracy, but also the penetration to go through the target. That's kairos. So acting with some decisiveness, that's synchronicity plus kairos, acting swiftly. If you have a compelling feeling, that's the right thing to do. So if you get an inkling, hey, all these things are lining up to apply for this job, apply for the job. Don't leave it for two weeks and then you've left it too late, that kind of thing. Then another step, step eight. Consider the meaning of the synchronicity in the context of your life experience. Sometimes there's an overall story. So I mentioned about the 6th of June. It was a time when I got engaged as well as was admitted to a psych hospital. It's having a sense of these experiences in your overall life. How do they fit into your life path? How is that meaningful to you in the context of your whole life? That helps have a bigger picture. And that also gives a clue that it's worth sometimes being somewhat patient with our interpretation of synchronicity. And I might even mention with an earlier step when we consider what a coincidence might mean, at times it might not be obvious what a coincidence might mean. So another expression is file it away for later on because, like you said, sometimes the meaning of a synchronicity can become relevant later on. And when you see patterns, like that 6th of June unfolding over six years, well, clearly that's taken quite a time for some of the meaning of that to come up and those connections to be made. So 
consider the meaning in the context of your whole life. Now, steps 9 and 10 can help bolster what we gain from the synchronicity, and step 9 is record it. There are a number of reasons for this. One is that helps us cultivate synchronicity, if you like, by paying attention to it. And just like if we record our dreams in a dream journal, we're more likely to, for a start, have more dreams and remember more dreams and derive further meaning from it. Just like that, if we record our experience of synchronicity, it also has it there so we can remember it later on to maybe derive further meaning or connections that come up from it. But also it acknowledges the experience that we've had and pays attention to it. That can encourage our attention to it. I think it can encourage more of it to happen in the outside world as well. So recording it, I would suggest noting down the situation and the time. What happened? Note down how strong the synchronicity was. For example, very strong, strong, medium, mild, something like that, because that helps go back later on and pay particular connection to the strong synchronicity, for example, but also particularly noting down what it meant to us. If we thought of maybe acting on some decision or making some decision based on it, we might note that down because that helps go back later on and reflect on how that's gone. But recording it, it's kind of inviting more of it into our lives. And then finally, share it. Step 10, share it. A very important step, and that's actually a key purpose behind our group, the Coincidence Project. We're encouraging people to share their coincidence stories of synchronicity and serendipity. And the reason is we think it helps people value them further, be aware of the benefits that might come. It helps reduce the stigma. It helps us go in a more intuitive direction and not just, if you like, dismiss the phenomenon because it seems to not fit our rational ideas of how the world should work. It's being open to that intuition and it actually encourages other people to do the same. And what many of us find, it's quite remarkable, when you talk with people about your own synchronicity experiences, it invites that in others. Or if we ask people directly, One of our group was doing a training with many managers, I believe that they were from Iran, and he said he found about 80% of these leaders said that they'd experienced meaningful coincidences in their lives that they related to, about 80%. Now, generally, we understand from surveys about 40% of people will experience synchronicity and believe that it's got something in it more than just chance. And yet, relatively few people might talk openly about it. By sharing our stories, we're encouraging people to pay attention to it and its role in relevance realisation in our lives. And so that's why we're doing this podcast as well. And that's why I've written that blog on cultivating synchronicity in 10 steps that people can turn to to elaborate on these points there. It's actually encouraging that activity and then see whether people find the benefits for themselves. We're inviting people to see what benefits there are to themselves. We think then it's up to people to make up their own minds of whether it's helpful to them. What strikes me that, like, for example, that list of things, like a lot of it's to do with, for example, opening your radar in a way or sort of putting your radar up in a way which, like, in some ways strikes me as being easier said than done. Like, you can, you know, you can say that you're going to do it, but it's almost like to you know, actually kind of flick the switch in a way it almost requires some level of almost subconscious input as well as just thinking, oh, you know, I'm going to look out for more synchronicity today. But I think those 10 steps that you shared, they all, you know, they all really help in a way. And I wonder if it's something that maybe say, like, for example, Eastern cultures and religions seem to maybe have a little bit more of a relationship with at the moment in terms of like, from what you were saying there, some of the, the steps that you were saying, Like it strikes me that maybe in the West and, you know, even with things like say like Twitter and TikTok and, you know, there's a lot that can distract us away from maybe some of this say like deep thinking or, you know, it can all seem a little bit kind of woo-woo or maybe it doesn't sort of make sense in, you know, one kind of rational interpretation of things. But like what strikes me as well is that, you know, there's times when you do need to suspend that that, I suppose, rational, dogmatic interpretation. And I suppose from what we've been speaking about today, like there's so much that, oh, I suppose, could lead us to realise that maybe the, the rational, dogmatic view of the world doesn't necessarily <laughs> cover it all, Dad. But 
I know you had a story as well, and it'd be great to hear that story because to me, it just it so illustrates maybe the the depth and the profound notion of the way that some of these ideas or, or synchronicity itself can strike you because I suppose looking at, you know, it seems so simple looking at, at some of these on the list, but at the same time, I think when you hear of a, a really striking example of synchronicity, it lets you know that, well, it's not just a matter of, say, for example, flicking a switch and letting it happen. There's a little bit more to it than that even. Okay, well, look, because of time, I'm only going to tell this story in a couple of minutes. I've written about it in the book, The Positive Psychology of Synchronicity, but this is the main gist of it. Because of my interest in synchronicity for psychology and how it's relevant to people's lives, what I'm interested in doing is relate mainstream psychology or bring into mainstream psychology this notion of synchronicity, which might be seen as a form of psychic phenomena almost or transpersonal phenomena, I'm also looking to say how it's related to science and particularly quantum physics through that notion of entanglement. So the principle of propinquity, you think of someone that you haven't seen for a long time, they get in touch with you. That's one example of that kind of connection, which is like a form of psychic entanglement. So I think that synchronicity can show that our inner and outer world are connected and sometimes people's minds can be connected at a distance just like science has shown that electrons or crystals or some material objects can be connected at a distance. And I was also looking to relate it to shamanism. Now, it turned out that in the space of about 24 or 48 hours, when I was writing about synchronicity in San Francisco, I might say at the Mystic Hotel, I learnt that these four things were connected by the same symbol, psi. So the symbol for mainstream psychology is psi, the Greek letter psi, and it looks like a trident. Now, when I stayed at the Mystic Hotel, the fellow on the front desk, funnily enough, his name was Angel, he gives me this door key with a wooden attachment to it, and on the wooden attachment, it's got this little symbol, a psi symbol. I think, why have they got a psychology symbol on the Mystic Hotel key? And then I realised, oh, psi is also the symbol for psychic phenomena, Psi, P-S-I, is shorthand for psychic phenomena. Oh, okay, that's got the same symbol, psychic phenomena and psychology. Hey, that's interesting because it suggests that they could be blended. A little while later, I looked up Psi. I was intrigued by this. I looked it up in Wikipedia and it had three examples of Psi. The first was mainstream psychology, then psychic phenomena. The third example related to this formula, sign a formula relating to waveforms in quantum physics. Now, I had no idea that psi related to quantum physics. Here are these three things I'm trying to connect that all have the same symbol. Well, to make a long story short, another thing was I came across this art gallery that had an exhibition of Allen Ginsberg's photography. He's one of the beat poets. I was really interested to see this exhibition. And especially after seeing this Beats Museum in, in San Francisco where I had a lot of synchronicity around that, including meeting a guy in the bar at the Mystic Hotel that night and he was from London, living in Saudi Arabia. And I tell him, oh, I saw this amazing Beats Museum today. He says, really? Beats Museum? I didn't know there was one. He said, I did my thesis at university in London on the Beat Poets. I thought, wow, there's something amazing here. Well, anyway... Well, I got to go to the Allen Ginsberg Photography Exhibition and actually that's where I learnt the expression notice what you notice. That's taken from Allen Ginsberg and I learnt that from the exhibition. Well, anyway, more to the point, notice what you notice, follow your nose. Next door, they had another exhibition called Beyond Belief at this Jewish Contemporary Museum. I thought, that sounds really interesting. It sounds a bit transpersonal. Well, I follow it through lots of different sections and then I'm drawn to this section that was related to this idea of beyond belief and the transpersonal and it had this Jackson Pollock painting. I was really drawn to it. And it was called Guardians of the Secret. I thought, this is intriguing. And they say in the inscription, in the middle square of this painting, there are all these symbols. They're all shamanic symbols and they relate to this idea of a secret that the shamans had about healing. I look at this painting and I notice at the six o'clock position, the bottom middle of this inner rectangle, the secret, the symbol psi. The symbol psi is a shamanic symbol. 
And I was absolutely amazed because, again, I'm trying to relate mainstream psychology, psychic phenomena, quantum physics, and shamanism. They all had the same symbol. And I thought, wow, that can't just be accident. And especially because the psi symbol in the Guardians of the Secret painting was at the 6 o'clock position, the bottom in the middle of this square. It was on the same position as the psi symbol for mainstream psychology on the sculpture at our practice. We've got a sculpture at the front of our practice building. The size symbol is at the six o'clock position, just like in this painting, Guardians of the Secret. I thought, well, these four things, I'm trying to relate them together. Now, they must be a thing, if you like. There must be truth that they're related. It's a tick from the universe to keep on going in that direction. And that gave me so much more confidence to write about it. And I thought, look, wait a minute. This is such a coincidence. It's so archetypal. It must relate to the human body. Because it's so basic, it's fundamental, it comes up again and again and again. What would the human body look like if someone was adopting a trident shape, like standing up straight with their arms curved upwards in the air? And I thought, what a transcendent symbol. It's like a minister in front of a church. It could almost be like an athlete running through the line to finish the Olympics with their arms splayed up in the air as they run through. It's like a transcendent symbol connecting earth and sky, if you like, connecting heaven and earth in some way. I thought, there's got to be something in this. I met a client a little bit afterwards who was really interested in synchronicity. He said, I've been collecting symbols of synchronicity. There's two different types of pictures that grab my attention. Some are of lots of people lined up in a row. I keep on seeing these pictures. And I keep on seeing pictures of people with their hands in the air. And he showed me this collection of pictures that he had, and it was the psi symbol. I'm thinking, that's amazing. It's not just me. It's not just in my head. This is happening in reality. It's like it's affirming in some way. And I'll just mention one final example. When my book came out, I went to London. You came with me. It was terrific. Had a book launch there at Watkins Bookshop where I could address an audience for about half an hour. Now, in the half an hour talking about the benefits of synchronicity and things like that, I didn't feel there was enough time to talk about Psy, those examples I just mentioned then. But when it came to the book signing, I remember feeling a little bit disappointed. I felt like, look, here was the book launch, but Psy didn't come into the book launch. The first person who came up to sign a book, I asked her name, as you do, to sign the book, personalise it, and her name was Shiva. I said, Shiva, does that relate to the god Shiva, which is a god of kind of destruction and rebirth kind of thing? And she said, no, actually it doesn't. There's a different association of the name Shiva. But she said, look, it's funny you mention that because I've always related to that god in this way because the god Shiva has a trident symbol. And look at the veins on the back of my hand. And she showed me and she said, that's a trident I've never seen someone's veins on the back of their hand look just like a trident shape. I took a photograph of that. It was just really amazing. She was happy for me to do that. But I thought, ah, the trident sigh did come in to the London book launch. So that's just an example of how these kind of affirmations, these ticks from the universe come up again and again and again. And that fortified me. So if I spoke to people who said, no, this is rubbish, there's nothing to do with psychology that relates to psychic phenomena, no, it's not legitimate to try and relate psychology to quantum physics, no, psychology's got nothing to do with shamanism, I think, wait a minute, no, if my intuition and experience and what I'd learned from clients and life was saying all these things were related, if they've all got the same symbol, if there's so much synchronicity around it, I'm going to go for it. They're the messages I'm going to look to get across. And so part of my destiny, I think, is looking to bring more spirituality into mainstream psychology and particularly that secular aspect of spirituality, again, particularly drawing on synchronicity for that relevance realization if you like but also that aspect of spirituality that relates to a sense of purpose and meaning and hopefully telling this story illustrates how I feel an enormous sense of purpose and meaning and therefore motivation and therefore a whole heap of dopamine that drives me in that kind of direction and it's largely based on these synchronistic experiences being so affirming of that direction. 
Well, I think they're all, all really good examples. And I suppose it shows how, like, the word coincidence in a way is almost like it. Oh, I feel it almost doesn't do it justice in some ways. Like, a coincidence is when you run into your friend at South Melbourne Market because you both decided to go at 10 a.m. That's a bit different to, you know, being struck by multiple symbols that I suppose link, you know, quite. Uh, profoundly connected elements in your life that would have been connected otherwise but you know it just shows that I suppose there's the external connection that can hit you as well but I suppose what I was thinking when you were describing that there is like even the word that we use resonates like obviously you know you think of synchronicity in terms of something that like resonates so intensely like the term resonate like it, even what we were talking about earlier like it involves this almost like vibration of sort of you know if you think if you resonate a bell well something could come and strike the bell out of you know the external world and then the bell's kind of left ringing there in a way like it strikes me that you know in, in some way synchronicity does that a little bit it sort of strikes us from the outside and sort of leaves us kind of ringing or almost resonating in a way well, look, it's remarkable. People ask about what are different definitions of synchronicity and look, I can't help it. We're into alliteration as everyone knows by now in this podcast, but now I'm going to say synchronicity is when relevance realisation resonates. <laughs> well, I think that's a, a good enough place to leave it as anyway, Dad, and and oh, I think that's a, it's quite a you say that whimsically, but I reckon it's actually quite a profound notion that is probably worthy of a fair bit of thought. So I look forward to doing that off air with you and maybe we'll have to, to revisit this topic in the future. I'm sure it'll come up again. Thanks for indulging me with one more outing of this topic, Rowan, another <laughs> side of it. Thank you. No worries at all, Dad. And, and as you mentioned earlier, we'll pop the blog that you wrote on this topic, uh, which has, I suppose, a distilled version of some of what we've spoken about today, and that is called a Cultivating Synchronicity in 10 Steps. We'll put that up on the podcast page for today at sykespiels.com.au. But, Dad, thanks for chatting with me about all this today. I look forward to the next one. Thanks, Rowan. See you next time.